Welcome back to Resident Strangers. I'm Sarah Shallow, and I am joined in the studio by Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. We've made it through the first month of the year. Wow. We made it. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm still exercising. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, how many of our New Year's resolutions Remember have we gone? talked about that? Yes. We talked. See, yes. for me, like I said, I kind of am really starting my goals now. Oh, that's right. right. Remember yes, that? Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. So, yeah. So how's it going? <laughs> well, what? We're like the first week in February, so yeah. it's good right now. Good. All right. You go, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's good right now. Talk to me in March. But um, anyways, so we are going to be continuing in our doctrinal statement. We are on number 10. Hard to believe. Time flies when you're having fun. But we are on number 10. Uh, this is on our website and linked in the show notes. Mankind was created by God in his own image on the sixth day of creation. The first two humans, Adam and Eve, chose to sin, and that sin brought spiritual death, separation from God, and physical death upon all mankind. The universal rebellion of all human persons against God confirms the sin of the first humans and highlights the universal need of salvation through Jesus Christ. Although fallen and in need of salvation, all human persons are made in God's image. All are intrinsically valuable and ought to be protected from conception to natural death. You know, Rich, I find this interesting. When I was going through Bible college, even writing our doctrinal statement way back then, you know, anthropology, though, you know, it it was important, but it was such a sub- because of stuff going on in the world and culture. Mm-hmm. And yet today, this might be one of the most important yeah. theological discussions that we could have to see what the Bible tells us about what God says about man. Mm, no kidding. And if you think about the, what we were talking about last couple episodes about believing truth things versus believing lies, it seems like a lot of that revolves around what we are. What What are we as as creatures made in God's image. And Sarah, I don't know if you picked up on this, but man, that's the longest paragraph. That's the longest number. Did you pick up on (laughs) that? Thankfully, I don't have to have it memorized, (laughs) but yes. (laughs) Yeah, so we have. We've devoted a lot of content to that statement. And and Steve, you're right. It's because it's so important and it touches on so many things that are going on in the world today. Yeah, you think today about gender confusion and transitioning and all of those things. You think of the abortion issue, which is... We're in an election year, right? It's going to be a huge topic. How do we think about this as a Christian? Mm. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, I remember when we, or when you all rolled this out, uh, man, it must've been last year. Oh yeah. May of 2023. Uh, Someone asked in our town hall meeting and this, we're kind of getting into some desert Springs stuff here. So if you don't, if you don't (laughs) attend desert Springs, just hang tight. But we, we were, you were presenting this and then someone asked, well, what about the abortion issue? How are you going to address that? And this is exactly mm-hmm. how it's addressed. That's kind of how we lump that in there. Yeah. Because yeah. So, this is truth. Right. And then later on, we actually have another statement later on that, that deals with more of the sexuality and some of those other issues right. that come up mm-hmm. and we'll get there. Right on. So, I mean, talking about mankind, humankind, I mean, there's a lot we could discuss. There so is, yeah. what, what's the, uh, 
what's what specifically are we going to discuss today? Well, I think we should start at the beginning of our statement, right? That that humans are made in God's image. Uh, I think this is probably the most important thing to get down. And if you go to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, right, right out of the gate, we are given a very clear picture of who humans are, who we are as humans. And we use this language of being made in God's image, but that really is... um, the way I read the creation story, Steve, and maybe you, you, you know, tell me what you think here, but it seems clear to me that in the way the narrative is unfolding in the first verses of the book of Genesis, it's like it's building, uh, oh, absolutely. it's, it's building and building and, uh, almost to the point where you could say that the creation of humans was the pinnacle this was it's like humans are the crown jewel it's, it's the crown jewel creation. In creation yeah and if you think about the way uh the bible describes creation being made with everything in order the land being arranged like it is and the sea and all that it's like the point seems to be that God is making a place specifically for humans to flourish in. Like if God had some other end in mind, you could imagine the creation would be radically different, but it it seems like it is what it is because God had in mind that we would be the inhabitants of the land that he's preparing. Yeah. He told us to be fruitful, multiply, rule, subdue the earth. It was for man. Uh, it was his inheritance that he was giving to us out of his goodness. So in the, in the creation story in, in Genesis one, you know, it uses this language. Uh, uh, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Um, and so does that mean God has <laughs> eyes and oh my goodness. hands and feet? Steve, I don't think I should name the person that I'm thinking of, but I once heard a TV preacher say that with my own ears, I heard him say that what this passage tells us is that God is, you know, six foot four and has Sandy brown hair and has a hands of a certain size. He was basically saying that bodies, that's what it was. It was, (laughs) I cannot tell you how that crushes my heart. It's It's terrible. (laughs) It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. The one thing that seems to be clear is that when it says that we're made in God's image, it's not, our bodies. That's not what's in view there. Um, and well, the Bible, we talked about this. When we talked about who God is. God is spirit. Right. He, he doesn't have a body. He, he is spirit. So clearly it's not talking about our body here. So a lot of, you know, theologians, because the Bible doesn't comment very much on what it means to be made in God's image, theologians kind of go back and forth and around and around about exactly what that means. I I don't know that we have to get uh, super technical or detailed in answering that, but, you know, I think it's enough to say that uh, we're made in God's image and that, that it means a number of different things, but it means that we're persons that we have agency, yes. that we have the ability to have relationships, that we have a, a will, uh, that we have our own center of consciousness, our own minds, but also there's function. So that's sort of like our constituents, like what we are essentially. But also I think there's functional things that come out of that. And right after, 
you know, in that verse I was just reading, uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle. You mentioned be fruitful and multiply. There's a number of other little tidbits in yes. the opening story there of Genesis that functionally we are also like God. We make decisions. We rule. We reign. We rule over creation. We are we are in a sense creators, creators ourselves. Yes. Yeah. We don't we don't make. Uh, creation out of nothing, right. but we take what God has made and we use it as raw materials. We, uh, we build things, we advance technology. And when those kinds of things, we are, we are imaging God when we, when we build things. Um, when I was little, I was trying to understand this. I was confused. And I remember asking my dad, cause I was looking around our neighborhood neighborhood and I was asking, well, did God build this house mm. or did God build our house? And that's almost exactly how my dad described it. He said, well, no, but God has gifted people right. to to do those types of things. And sadly, when he was giving out those gifts, <laughs> I must have been going to the bathroom or something because I missed out on them all. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So we are both in our essence we, we are like God and in the functional roles that we fill in creation, we are like God. So we're more important than animals. Is that what uh, you're saying? Yes, clearly. <laughs> yes. Uh, really than anything. I mean, when we, maybe we'll have to spend some time, uh, it'll probably get us into the next episode to start talking about value. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think when you look at the creation story, that seems to be clear that the animals are there for humans. The Vegetation is there for humans. Uh, that's, is that making sense, what I'm saying, Steve? Absolutely. Yes, man is the, the crowning piece. And with that, we, we alone are the ones who are called his image bearers. And so we alone, too, seem to have the, the ability to have relationship with him, which is also an important part yeah. of that creation story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but things went wrong, didn't they? <laughs> in this, in the speaking of uh, designed to have a relationship with God, right? In uh, Gen the, when we get to chapter three, right? The Genesis tells us what is it that went wrong? We were designed to be in relationship with God and in community, perfect community with each other. Uh, but the first humans fell. Yeah. And the, the details of the story, right? You, you, the, there was that one commandment not to eat of the fruit of the one tree. And then we talked about Satan in our last couple of episodes and how all that worked out. But the bottom line is that the first Adam and Eve, the first two humans willfully decided to rebel against God. They specifically disobeyed a commandment, but it was even, I think, a deeper issue than just disobeying a rule. It was that they were making a decision to go their own way, to chart their own course. Um, and part of, you know, part of the deception that was there, uh, perhaps Satan was tempting them to believe that God was holding something back, which to me is an amazing thing, right? You, you, you read the whole story uh, up to that point, And what seems to be clear is that God was giving humans everything we needed to flourish, to be satisfied to have enjoyment. There were beautiful things, food to enjoy. Yeah, to, th to thrive. Yes, I to mean, thrive. Because God not only made the outside stuff, right? The trees mm -hmm, and the, mm -hmm. the garden and all this, 
but he, he's also the one who made our heart. So you think about the needs that we find in our lives today, the need for purpose, the, the need for meaning, the, the need for security, the need for relationship, the need for love, all of those things that our heart craves, we're going to be satisfied in that garden, in that relationship with God and with one another. Yeah, in fact, you know that I've I've forgotten about this, but now that you're saying that, I'm reminded to to think to the what the narrative, the way it repeats the language where God saw it and it was good, it was good, and so each day of creation in the story, it, it's repeated over and over again. At the end, this is good, this is good, and then at the end, after humans are made and it's all wrapped up and it's all together, God proclaims it to be very good, very good, yeah, and man threw it all away. Yes. Yeah, in rebelling against God. On the idea that somehow God was holding out. Yes. A lie. Yep. A lie. So, so okay, so they rebel against God, and then Scripture tells us that there are some very significant consequences of this rebellion. Now, God already warned them, right? He said, in the day if you eat of it, you will die. Um, and then, so maybe we'll talk about that here in a second, too. But the immediate consequences are also named, um, you know, it talks about how life is going to be different for humans after that, that, you know, no longer is it going to be this <laughs> flourish and thriving in paradise now it's going to be difficult and there's going to be turmoil and work and uh, well not not that work is wrong but it, the, it will be difficult work difficult be, work toil is the word i was looking for yeah um and they're basically kicked out of the garden right that's yeah. the, they're excommunicated oh boy there's a theological yes. concept now i now i want to camp on that for a second i'm not going to that <laughs> well could you imagine that walk out of the garden no. Oh my goodness. Seriously. Like yeah. I think about that sometimes and I'm like, yeah, it just, mm. well, if you ever then go on into the book of Genesis, it, it's incredible how this very good disintegrated so fast. Yeah. I mean, you get to chapter four and you had the first murder. Mm -hmm. Then you go, I, I believe it's chapter five, and you now have um, a polygamy. Mm. Then you keep going and you have rape and you have incest and you have murders. And it's bad quick. It, it just goes so quickly uh, when, when man rebelled against God. And that actually kind of brings us to that next point in the doctoral statement, which is the sin now is passed on. Yeah. So, so let's talk about it in, you know, in this, the terms here of death, right? So this was the consequences that were named that you'll die. And practically speaking, how does that work out? What does that mean? Well, they're kicked out of the garden, right? They're removed from the presence of God. And I think that when we think about the way the Bible talks about death, there's a number, and Steve, maybe you could talk about this too. There's a number of different ways that death is talked about, but I think the theme when it comes mm -hmm. to what we're talking about and where we are spiritually and our standing before God, the theme is that death is separation, separation. from God. Yeah. Yeah. When we think about death, I think the best way you can think about it when you read, because death is not the end, right? So physical death is people don't cease to exist. I think part of we were created in his image where we were given a soul that will live forever. 
So when we think about death, we don't think about ceasing to exist. What we think about is separation. Yes. So spiritual death and what took place on that day is that our soul is separated from our God. And so they are kicked out of the garden. They are now living in spiritual death. This is then how the Bible talks about that we were born. We were born spiritually dead. Our soul separated from God. Physical death is the separation then of our soul from our body. The soul does not cease to exist. It, it, it goes on. But it is separated now from the, this body. That's physical death. The Bible talks about ultimately a second death, which is when our soul now, for those who don't know Jesus, is separated from God eternally. Mm -hmm. So death, spiritual death, our soul separated from God. Physical death, our soul separated from the body. Eternal death, our soul separated from God for all of eternity. Yeah. So, you know, the way the New Testament describes this um, when it comes to like, uh, where, where are we? You, you, uh, so like uh, our, the natural course of things. We are, like you said a minute ago, we're born in that state of separation from God. And if you want to think about it like this, I, I think this is, this is helpful to me personally to think about this. If you're anchoring the question of what we are to the Genesis story of the consequences of sin, you could say it like this. We are all born outside of the garden, outside of the garden. We're born outside the garden. And so when we're born naturally, we wake up into this world and we are, we are, we think uh, maybe this isn't a good way to say it. It's like we're exploring the world and we might be tempted to think that this is the way God intended it to be in this broken and fallen and separated no, but state, we but are, it's not. We're outside the yeah, garden. Yeah, we're outside the garden. And so I think about passages like Romans 5.12, uh, you know, that uh, says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And so we're in this place where the from the moment we're capable of doing it, we participate in Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. From the very moment that we're capable of making moral decisions, we're outside paradise, we're outside the garden, we're separated from God. And so quite- And we are living in the effects yes, of the fall. Yes. And so quite naturally, we go along with it. We, yes. we, we participate in the rebellion with our own choices. Well, which, I think people can see- I mean, I'm not a parent, but you do not have to teach a child to sin. Can, can confirm. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys are the parents here. Yeah, there, there's, there's much truth in that. Yeah. But I mean, we, we don't want to think about that sometimes. I think that yeah. we are born sinners, Yeah, you know? But I think there's a misunderstanding about that, right? Because I think so many people in the world that don't know Jesus they are operating under the assumption like we're sort of all neutral. Yes. You know, we're sort of on an even playing field. Or even worse, inherently good. Right. And would inherently do the right thing right. if we could. Right. And yet the world around us screams, no, given given the opportunity, we're going to walk in sin. We're right. going to walk in rebellion. Yeah. And even like I'm trying to I'm trying to think as a lost person would think, right? Um Right. No, we're not saying 
that people are going to be as bad as they could be. That's not what we're no. saying, right? No. Not we, everybody's a serial killer right, or a, exactly. you know, whatever, the worst of the worst. And but. it is certainly possible that you would have somebody who lives a lot of their life generally doing good things, right? But that it go. So I guess what I'm saying is that if if you you it's not appropriate to conclude from that that somehow everything's okay just because I can do some good things, I shouldn't conclude that everything's okay. What Scripture tells us about our standing before God is that we are separated from Him. So from from the moment we are born, it's not that we have to do something wrong. In order to get consequences, that's not it at all. We're already in the consequences. We're already in the state of separation from God. So even in theory, if a person could be born and live their entire lives being generally a good person, well, that's, I'm glad you're generally a good person, but that doesn't really address the problem. The problem is that we're outside the garden. We're separated from God. I think how Paul put it there in Ephesians 2. I was just going to go to Ephesians. Yes. I got it right here. (laughs) And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That was our natural state apart from Christ. Uh, We were outside the garden. We're separated from God. And that's the issue. That's why no amount of good works, goodwill, keeping mm-hmm. even the Mosaic That's right. law That's right. can fix that. No amount of righteousness can overcome the fact that we are outside the garden. We are separated from God's presence. And if you go later in Ephesians, Steve, I mean, this is amazing, where Paul is describing what happens in salvation, right? Uh, in like to around about verse 11. At that time, you were without Christ. He's starting with the lost state. You were without Christ. You were being, so he's describing here, what does it mean to be dead? You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, okay, now what is it? What is it in salvation? Uh, uh, Now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, And then verse 19 of chapter 2 in Ephesians, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Uh, Right, so... uh, And so to keep the same analogy, now in Christ, our soul has been brought back into the garden. Yes, We now again have relationship with God so we can walk with him, talk with him. Jesus promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That is what is restored in Christ in salvation through him. Yes. And so as we're, we're getting near the end of our, our, I see Sarah looking at the clock over there. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, I think these, these two points here that we've made are super, super important. And we'll probably get back to these in, in the next episode, but you know, that we are, each one of us is created in God's image. God has made us and designed us to be in relationship with him. We bear his image. We can see that in our, uh, our, our, our uh, the faculties that we have, our moral faculties, our, uh, our creativity and things like that. We look at the function, how we rule and have dominion, but we're made in God's image to be in a relationship with God. And each one of us, from the moment we're born outside the garden, we confirm 
the rebellion that has taken place before us. We engage in our own rebellion against God. And so we are dead. And the solution is in the gospel, right? What is it that we, when we place our faith in Christ, God then brings us back to himself. We are no longer strangers. We are brought back into his presence. Yes. Well, we're going to continue this conversation. Did you have one final thought, I Steve? I did. All right. <laughs> Resident strangers. That's right. So now we who are in Christ live in a world that is foreign to us because our soul longs for that day when we now not just in our soul will have relationship with him but we will live in light of his presence and you get to revelation 21 and 22 and that glorious day but we're not there yet and so we live as the resident strangers now here yes all right we'll be back again next week make sure you join us Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and visit dscchurch.com for more information.